0: Hello everybody and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm your host Josh and today I'm going to be talking about A Traitor in Skyhold by John Bierce. So let's spy on the magic of books. Uh, everybody. Uh, welcome back. This is the third book in the Mage Errant series. And honestly, at this point, I had forgotten that this was the third book. I honestly kind of when I thought picked this up, I was like, oh, I'm not on the trader yet. I got another book and then I'll be on the trader. So I did forget for a minute when I started it. I was like, oh no, this is the third. And it's just amazing how fast we've progressed and how fast we are progressing. I don't think that's a bad thing in this book. I just think it's something to remark that like we are moving much faster. And I have to say, Like, just first off, I really do think that John Bierce's writing style has improved a little bit, uh, gotten better. There's only one thing I can really specifically point to, and this is not a spoiler unless you haven't read any of the books. And if you haven't read any of the books, I'm not sure you should be starting here, but let's just talk about a little bit of his... Writing ability change or his growth. I feel like his he, at this one point that I really noticed is that he is much better about using Talia's dream fire. Now it does it does more than just one of four things because you know dreams are different and they do different things every time. But they are very different, and I feel like he's really gotten much better about talking about the magical effects and being more descriptive. I've noticed a, a much better descriptions. We still get I can't say we get a lot of info dumpy stuff, but we do get a little bit more of things explained. We get better choices. The pacing of this book was very fast paced. I really was like, wow, this is we're just turning and turning and turning, like keep going to the next page, keep going to the next one. So I like that a lot. I think the atmosphere of this one did not give me it is another school book where they're still at their school. But this one did not give me as much of a magical academy session like setting as it could have, which is... It is a magical academy setting, and they are still learning stuff, but they're not learning, or rather, they're not devoting a lot of time to, like, this is your classroom. Like, we get a couple of those classrooms from Hugh, who stays our main point-of-view character, and we still do start to branch off and see other point-of-view characters, and we even get a couple or at least one from Elustin in this one, which is nice. And I really like the world-building that he has done in this, because it's questions that we would have ourselves, but he answers them in a very, like, here's how it works. Now, let's just... going to get into spoilers everybody I'm sorry there's not a big spoiler time or not a big non-spoiler time for this one we're just going to get into it and you'll hopefully enjoy it as well So talking about the kind of info dumping, let's talk about the way he's made his magic system work where we started off with stone and steel and iron affinities. And now we have a crystal affinity and we have sand affinities and we're learning about plant affinities. And, you know, we know that the more specific they are, the more powerful that specific affinity is, right? Steel beats iron, but steel could only affect iron, whereas iron can kind of affect a lot of things. Or sand, how do you do sand? So they're talking and they're training and he's like, well, how do we deter, how do, you, how do affinities get determined? Because it seems random and it is, but he's like, hey, this doesn't make sense. Like, how come? I can affect stone and Arter can affect stone and Godric can affect st- uh, sorry, sand. We all have sand can, me- can mess with sand, but none of us are sand mages. So how is that all working? And Elucid explains, well, the magic ba- works based on your linguistic concepts that correspond to real world things, creative and the more, you know, so if you go to a culture or, you know, a different language, you spoke a different language, which they can't, of course, because of the tongue eater, which we learned about. Man, the more we learned about the Athonian Empire, the more I'm just like, wow, yeah, they sucked. They definitely did deserve to die and to be, you know, erased. And hearing that the Havath Empire is kind of like their spiritual successor does not give me great hopes for them. But they did all sorts of training and testing, tried raising kids with fake languages, tried raising kids with languages describing things that didn't exist or couldn't exist, all sorts of things. And they found out that the linguistic concepts correspond to real world things. So if you had somebody who lived in the, you know, snow, they could have three or four different words for snow. And each of those could be an affinity. But then you could have somebody else who lives in the desert. Maybe they don't ever have snow affinities because nobody knows snow or they have one snow affinity or it's probably more like a water affinity, right? But that's kind of how it goes is you have the more culture kind of focuses on it or not focuses on it because that makes it bad. But like the more your language is developed to describe it, the more specific it can be corresponds to also how you know diverse your concepts can be so they found that things don't exist the things that don't exist can't be affinities and talia brings up well how about dreams like dreams aren't real and he's like yeah but nobody ever says that dreams aren't happening and that dreams aren't there right nobody denies that dreams exist they exist they're just not like a physical thing so that was really fun so okay let's talk about some of this one some of this this was funny um talia's dream fire magic now that we mentioned her like the blank i'm gonna spoil their name for a second even though we're in the spoiler free section she erupted into a burst of caustic sounds tastes heavier than stones and colors that rasped across your skin i was just like oh that's really nice that's so good and so i really like that that there's also one where uh i don't remember exactly but somebody's head turns into wooden coins out oh, there i found it in my notes of course after i start talking about it so let's talk about the plot a little bit the plot of this book is basically hey we know there's a traitor in skyhold because somehow indris knew about uh, hugh's Warlock Pact. And the only people we told about that are the Senior Council. So you guys are going to have to investigate while I loosed and go do investigate a bunch of other stuff. Also, you need to try and convince the Council to move your training, your final year-end test from our Labyrinth to a different Labyrinth because of Bokori. We don't want him to, you know, influence you or get out. But we had certain people vote no. So the year goes on. They investigate a little bit. I feel like I remember in the beginning, I first read this book, they investigated them a lot more. But in reality, it's like one meeting done because they have a double meaning behind it like oh I'm meeting with you about training techniques but my secret meaning is to meet with you about changing the vote and my secret secret meeting is to vote with you about is to figure out if you're a traitor right so they meet with them and we'll just talk about them a little bit there's Rutless the Red who is a a saltwater mage there's a Bila who is a magma mage that's very cool Anders is a silk mage and I forget I didn't write down their full name, sorry. And then Terry is a, a very, very powerful stone mage. And so they are trying to investigate them. They're not really learning anything. And this was the part that was kind of, let's that's not, that's, we're talking spoilers here. So the whole plan for them was to actually never get that changed, right? They already kind of knew who the, the traitor was. They do expose Anders. as just a generic tra- uh, traitor who, because he's got very high quality silks and that costs a lot more than he's making as a you know council perf- counselor and stuff. It turns out Abila is the mage, and I thought Rutless was the mage this time around because I, I forget these things sometimes exactly who the, the mage one is. I remembered Rutless being very important to the story and being like, oh, he's not just a salt and water mage. He's a salt wa- salt. He's not a salt water mage. He's a salt mage and a water mage, which means he can do things with um, densities and concentration with his salt water to make it super cold. So he's the one who kind of mostly stops Abyla until Bakori shows up because he broke out of the labyrinth at the same time. Meanwhile, it's all been a trick so that Kandarin can clean house, get all the traitors out of her organization, and also so that Bakori can be dealt with for sure. But Bakori, that's, sorry, I know we're just jumping all over the place. That's basically the end. Bakori dies, and everybody's happy, and now they're going to get on a new thing because the lost city of Ithos is probably returning nobody knows exactly where it is and this is what we're going to talk about in a little bit but but Corey has that crazy powerful features where he comes from a different world that was basically go an Aether explosion you know and then he goes through the labyrinth and he wants to find somewhere else where he can live he's chosen our world which is a but nobody he can't survive there yet because the mana density is not high enough but he has the ability that he can he can basically kill his imps and just suck their energy out so that's kind of his automatic regeneration Revival thing but he also has the ability that depending on how much you use an affinity next to him or a spell next to him that form that spell form will break down and stop working in his presence so you can do three levels levitations basically kind of before it wears out or you can do two of this or two of that kind of depends on a little bit of your skill how much you can force but like they just become worse around him and so i love the end when ilian k uh sabe's uh, grandmother comes in and she's like hey i'm a cloud and i'm a boss and oh but Cory, you're over here how could you do this oh excuse me i am a weather mage I work at extreme distances. You're toast. And she has her storm cloud, like, literally chew him and chew him and chew him until he finally dies and he's used up all of his imps. That was just such a sweet scene. And, of course, shadowed by the fact that he had been blocking it by accident with his special book um doing the scrying prevention that it can do because it can function like a labyrinth a little bit and so she didn't know if it was time yet aside from that it was very funny very good i love that scene talia's always like oh man i want to be like your grandma sabe that is she is so powerful and so like straightforward and to the point like Il- Ilian k and das is just super funny we get uh the council is cleaned of traitors no more abila no more rutless um because he ran away and tried to save himself versus saving the the kids which That was another funny thing. At the end, they're like, hey, you know, like, why didn't you just tell us or help us out with this stuff? And he's like, okay, first off, let me explain some things. This is a loose thing. He's like, the plan was never for you guys to, like, fight your way through a a Bacoria-infested school, get up, fight the council members, save the day, you know. The plan was you'd go down, you'd have somebody shadowing you, you'd get into the labyrinth. You'd get out of the labyrinth. They'd take you to a protective spot. You'd be safe. Everything would be done and happy, right? Not what happened. So it's just really funny. And another thing, I really liked the ball scene where they go to the ball and that felt like just nice, that little bit of normalness. And Talia is all super dressed to the nines, but she's got like her, she's like, you don't you don't match your weapon to the dress. You match your dress to the weapon. And she's got knives and she's got her necklace full of bones that just explode. And her date's like getting more nervous by the second. He's like, well, what? You're carrying that much weaponry? And you're that dangerous. Like it was pretty funny. And you know it's because she's just jealous of Hugh. But unfortunately, our Hugh and Ava relationship, they break up because Ava's like, you know, I just thought what happened in Indris and theris Tal was just like a one-time thing. You know, we got swept up in it, but now you're doing this, and it's like you just you guys can't help yourselves. This is who you guys are. I'm not going to be able to be with you. That was very sad. But yeah, kind of expected. Hopefully we'll see something going on between Talia and Hugh in the future. I can't spoil whether we do or not because those are future books. And I don't want to tell you right now. I know what happens just so you know. Like I've read up. I'm caught. I'm caught up except for the final book. I'm saving that for you guys. So let's talk a little bit. I like the classes that we get. We don't get very many classes but we do get the cryptography class created by Lorna of the Deeps who just basically is like here's a class. If you do your homework, here's a ward. You have to break, figure out how to get in the ward and break the ward or get past the ward and find your stuff and and then get your homework and then bring it to the next and do it right but she's never like actually talking with them so that was a really interesting thing and then there was the the custom spell making class taught by a sound mage and i don't remember his name Emerson, Emmonson D's. i think he is scary that was so funny the sound mages the you would not think they're that bad but they are basically as a sound mage you can create something's resonant frequency and just cause it to explode now this is very dangerous and It's so funny because he's always like, oh, I'm just going to turn off all the sound in this area except for me talking and I'm going to do this. And then when he's in the fight, he's just like walking through straight and imps are exploding all around him. It's bomb. It was just so good. We learned about the cold mines. Excuse me. What are those? We don't know. Right. And I love that uh, we learned that there's the... A special vault inside the council chamber that can only be opened twice a year. And it basically contains very dangerous things. And I love that Alustin reads it off to us and he's like, oh yeah, there's the last known egg of an Darren queen, which we heard about in the second book. Basically it hatches, it becomes, it replicates and replicates and basically the replicators and it just takes over and swarms everything. And uh ethonian plague generator A sword that creates inextinguishable wildfires, a sphere that corrupts affinities, and a sentient pair of leather boots with an odd habit of assassinating rulers. In ridiculous ways, just so funny. And Talia's like, "Well, it shouldn't be hard to destroy some leather boots." And Aleu's like, "You'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd think so. I'll give you a couple. Of, I'll give you a chance. You can, you know, take a shake, shake a stick at it and see if you can get it to to be destroyed." But I doubt it. So it was just super funny. And then at the very end, we learn a lot. We're seeing a lot of like a redacted note between two people, and we're seeing what's going on. And I feel like this, this was a good book. It's really stepping us up to the next book, The Lost City of Etha ethos is the next book so i'm prepared for that we learn about the exile splinter basically we don't know exactly but i'll spoil a little bit for you because it's not really that big of a deal but they've exiled the city of ethos the hope the main like city out of existence, and now it's coming back, right? And this is something that's interesting, like, that I wanted to talk to you guys about. The reason he wanted to get the book of the grain harvests and stuff is because, and this is a real thing, like, in a 100 years or 200 years or X number of years, people don't know where things are or what things are. So if you said, I ate eggs for breakfast and somebody, or like, you wrote that down in your journal, then somebody 100, 200 years can now could come up and say, eggs, okay, what kind of eggs? You know, I don't know, is it chicken eggs? They might not know what chickens are even though. So you have to say, like, oh they ate chicken eggs right it's not it's not something you'd want to do for like everything but like having these things no like spelled out exactly like you wouldn't say what a horse is everybody knows what a horse is well what if somebody didn't know what a horse is or what eggs you ate like how would you explain that and it's actually happened where there's like a city lost to history because nobody knows where it was because nobody ever recorded like oh yeah it's exactly this far away from here like um, people know that it's like a, a general distance away from like certain city other cities and things like oh i went to this place today and then came back or like, you know, but nobody knows exactly where it was in that area because it's been lost to time because nobody wrote about it. So this was a really convenient thing or cool thing that like they exiled Ethos or Ethos and nobody knows where it is anymore because it's been so lost time to history. Like sure, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, whenever it happened, everybody probably knew, oh yeah, that's where it used to be. Well, except for the fact that it also kind of wipes your mind from remembering it a little bit. So there's a little bit more of that to go with it. But now with certain books and that the exile splinter weakening, you can remember things and see things about it. So all in all, just a really great book every Buddy. i really enjoyed it this one moved super fast it's really setting us up for the next one a lot of fun things so that's gonna wrap up my discussion of a traitor in skyhold thanks everybody for listening thanks to david Hillowitz for the intro and outro music of course if you have any questions or comments please send them to libromancypod at gmail.com please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and remember to spy on the magic of books